two generations. One passion. This is Generation Red. Welcome back, Husker fans, to another episode of Generation Red, the kettle corn of Husker fan podcasts, uh, hosted by your favorite father and son combo, who do our best to be sweet, but at times we get salty. My name is Ken, and I am your rather salty and annoyed host. And I am your overfilled with moral victories other host, Scott. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Boy, the crowd was incredible last night. The team was intense. The referees were absolutely awful. Michigan's defense was legit, but so was mm-hmm. Nebraska's. And after being down 13 nothing at half, the Huskers rallied in the second half to yet again take a one-score lead into the fourth quarter. But in the end, a stopped forward progress call that was ignored and a fumble that occurred as a result, and Michigan kicks a field goal covers the spread, and I have a feeling a referee or two left Memorial Stadium with a little bit more money in their bank account than what they would have gotten for refing the game, but that is only speculation on the part of a fan who is not affiliated with the university in any way, shape, or form. (laughs) So we will get into the Michigan game, kind of go over uh, as much as we can. Both of us are a little off our game today. We had issues besides the game that has have kind of interrupted our lives. So we're going to do our best to put good content out there for you. Uh, but let's uh, maybe cleanse our palate a little bit, Scott, by going back over our uh, six games that we picked from last from Thursday's episode and then a couple of notable games uh, before we do that. Yeah, Texas A&M beats Alabama, which, by the way, in that game, they had the exact same call um, that we had. I think they they called it on Texas A&M disconcerting um, signals. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I think it might have been something that the uh, refereeing committee kind of told all of their refs, hey, this is something we want to push to be uh, called more often, so if it's happening, call it. but yeah. Wow. Anyway, so uh yeah, so Texas A&M does upset number 1 Alabama and that was that was pretty cool. Anytime Alabama loses is a good day. Ooh, excuse Ooh, me. Yeah, that was like a that was like a 6 and a half out of 10 I'd say. Um, that was Dr Pepper baby. <laughs> yeah, and then the other one of the notable games before I will get into the OU and Texas game, but I just wanted to mention that if you haven't noticed uh that Number 14, Notre Dame, beats Virginia Tech with the exact same score that uh, we had, 32-29, to 29, yep. in the exact same fashion that we had. The only difference is, well, actually, no, there is no difference because the unranked team still fell to the ranked team. So, whatever. Uh, yep. Yeah, man, I was actually watching that OU-Texas game all the way up until uh, Levi and I left to go to the game. And, yeah, dude, it looked like it was about to be a— like an absolute blowout by Texas. They were up 28 to seven in the first quarter, something yep. like that. 
And then OU found a way to wiggle their way back into the game as the Red River Showdown tends to be a complete and total yeah. uh, crapshoot. Yes, it is. Yeah, OU came came out on top. Uh, ooh, we made the rookie mistake of not putting any of these scores in our notes for all of the games. Um, no, no, yeah, I didn't. I was just I was kind of in a hurry to write everything down. So it's okay. Um, um I, I have them pulled up now. Um, so yeah, Oklahoma beats Texas 55 to 48. Definitely. That's it. Definitely. Um, covering the, they got the over. Yeah. They definitely got the over <laughs> under. Uh, yeah. They definitely got the over on the over under. Um, but yeah, man. And then LSU does end up falling to number 16, Kentucky. Didn't watch that game at all, but Kentucky definitely uh, showed their dominance, beating them 42 to 21. Um, yeah, Arkansas. Arkansas falls yep. to Ole Miss. And that was another shootout. I think Arkansas, if I'm correct, I they went for the win. Surprised. They went for the win. They didn't want to go to overtime. They tried to do a two-point conversion, and they failed. So they lost right. the game. Yep. Yep, they did. That was a shootout. Yep. Uh, go figure. Arkansas has been running the ball down everybody's throat. They go and they work into a shootout like that. That's pretty impressive. I think that team's going to be pretty good next year. Um, anyway, so then we move on to your three games, which Penn State loses to Iowa at the end of the game, 23-20. to 20, Ironic. Um, uh, and uh, uh, mostly as a result, I believe, of Clifford getting injured. I didn't see a lot of the game. I caught kind of a couple of minutes toward the end of the fourth quarter before the Husker game came on. And, uh, yeah, their defense is legit. Can't argue that their defense is legit. But, man, once Clifford went out, it looked like he, according to some of the things I read, he was having a pretty good game till he went down. So that's a bummer. But we both picked Iowa and got it. Um Georgia beats Auburn fairly well, didn't they? Wasn't it a couple of scores? I didn't look up the score. You got the score there? Yeah, yeah. They they pretty much shut them down. Um thirty-four to ten. Yep. Okay. I figured it was a almost a yeah, a four score game. Three touchdowns and a field goal. Um Cincinnati does a number. They get they do what, fifty two to three? <laughs> yeah, man, it so was a covered. crazy game. <laughs> oh yeah, oops, stupid phone. Oh, I wondered where you went. You just like, oh, you fell down. <laughs> My dad is uh, he's he and I are chatting from so <laughs> over a Facebook or yeah, Facebook Messenger call because uh, our Streamyard is not working as well as it should right now. So we are uh, we are currently experiencing some technical difficulties by way of gravity um dad's phone falling down but who knows we'll either edit this or keep it in sometimes it's kind of fun to keep these little blemishes in so um whoa got a close-up of your face we are human we We are are human human. yeah i'm trying to use my little clippy thing but the weight of the phone keeps wanting to pull it off (laughs) Pull it off of the screen. I've got a little suction cup mount that fits on my laptop screen real nice, but uh, it's not behaving real nice right at the moment, but it'll do. Um, so, yeah, Cincinnati got her done. That was pretty cool. I was happy. They're number three now. Uh, so, 
wow. definite, definite playoff contender. Who would have thought contender. at the beginning of the year that, yeah, who would have thought at the beginning of the year that Cincinnati would be sitting at number three just over halfway through the season. Uh, so that's pretty impressive. <laughs> Looks yeah. like some uh, some wedding guests are beginning to arrive. Yeah, folks, I'm actually parked at the place where I am conducting a wedding here in a little while. And some guests are beginning to arrive. So we should get into the Michigan game and uh, get this over with as quickly and as painlessly as possible. Um, you've probably got some notes on the game. I've got a few notes. Um, nothing too extensive. Kind of wanted to highlight what happened with the offense. We didn't score crap in the first half. We could have. Probably should have kicked the field goal on the, after that first 78-yard drive, but we didn't. But it did feature a nice 24-yard pass to Manning on 4th and 6, which was an excellent throw. And uh, I don't know, man. I kind of question the coaching decision not to at least kick the three points there and make Michigan have to play from behind for the first time all season right after the first drive of the game. Um, what did you think of that? Honestly, I'm kind of more on the other side of the fence. I think it was probably uh, you got to roll your dice with it. Um, I mean, I I do have confidence that Culp would have made that. I mean, it was a chip shot. Cute. And yeah. uh, but I think he might have been thinking more chess, not checkers of if he were to score a touchdown on the first drive that we had the momentum that could possibly carry throughout the rest of the game from sure. doing so would be good. Um, and I think that uh, it it could have been down to the wire with a field goal needed from Culp and starting the game off with possibly a blocked or a missed field goal would have been something that I don't think would have went in our favor. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm one of those, I'm one of those guys that I like the idea that college football is pushing more to the idea of going for it more on fourth down and not punting as sure. much and just asserting asserting will. And if this were a Husker football team that, you know, I would say is, you know, four and one, undefeated, five and oh, whatever, six and oh, I don't know, you know, or yeah, I guess we would be like five and one, four and two, something like that. It would have it would have been less concerning, but yeah, I because yeah, I, I hear you. I just don't agree. I think we should have took the points. Period. Because shoot, that would have been the difference in the end of the game too. I mean, the yep. game could have gone completely differently too. But if we'd have gone for it and got it, I would have been happy with that. And if we would have scored, I'd have been happy with that too. So yeah, I just didn't agree with the decision at the time. But yeah, uh, the defense was badass, though. They held Michigan scoreless, which we'll talk about the defense here in a little bit. Uh, so it was a scoreless first quarter, and then kind of the beginning of the second quarter, Martinez throws an interception. Uh, but I don't believe Michigan... Yeah, I think they scored after that. Well, I think they got their first field goal after that. But my God, Pristop <laughs> starts off with a 50-yard punt on our second drive. Then he hits a 53-yard punt on our third drive. I mean, he was just hammering them. And then he showed yeah. he was human with the 32 yarder. But the next all, drive. altogether, he had four punts for 190 yards with a 47.5 average. And that's a, I mean, that's, that's what you want. That's what. You... Yeah. That's like, like, uh, that's Sam Fultz numbers right there. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, yeah, and then basically second quarter, we didn't do much of anything except punt. Uh, so Michigan goes in at the half up 13 to nothing. And that's when Nebraska's offense took off in the third quarter with kind of set up by a, that first 20-yard run by Martinez. I think it was one of the first times he actually carried the ball in the game. And then he throws that perfect shot to Allen on a well-conceived uh, tight end release that looked like an option play, but the tight end kind of looked like he was going to block down on the defensive end, and then he released. And he was so wide open. It was crazy. Um, then the next drive, we don't do anything, but Pristop hits 55-yarder. So like I said, over 190, 190 yards punting is pretty impressive. Uh, Michigan fumbles the ball, but the ball is given to them on a what? What the hell they call that in the stadium? The simultaneous possession? Yeah. Basically like like in baseball when uh, play at first base has the runner touching the bag just as the ball is in the glove of the first baseman. The tie always goes to the runner. So they always give benefit of the of that call to the team that's receiving the punt. And yeah, we the were. It has the number nine next to their name too. We were not happy. We were not happy yeah. in Memorial Stadium when that happened because we saw the replay mm-hmm. up on the board and you could see a pretty yep. clear possession by our guy and yep. Michigan player wraps his arms around the ball with him and oh, dual possession, Michigan's ball. So. Yeah, well, it's what yeah, can you do? It is, it is what it is. It just, yeah. And then the next drive, we get a 16 yard option run by Touré with, on a pretty cool pitch. And then Ramir gets his 41 yard TD. Man, Ramir was a beast uh, last night. Absolutely awesome. He was all um, over the place. Yep. You can see where the offense is going. It's going to be explosive. Quite frankly, once we have a little bit better O line play, which last night wasn't bad, they only no. gave up one sack. Considering uh, it was hard could, to run, if you just consider they, Michigan's salty defense, they have a great defensive line. Um, that like we should have done a lot worse on our offensive line yeah. than the way that we actually played. I, I think it was impressive, especially with Prohaska going out hurt uh, toward the end of the first half. I believe it was, and um, that was like okay, and Ben Hart. And Corcoran moved back over to the left, and Ben Hart played admirably. I looked at the final stats, and I meant to mention this in my notes, and I completely forgot. But Michigan did not have a single player that had double digits in tackles, while Nebraska had three. So that tells you that that offensive line pretty well did its job. They Uh, did. Even their best player, that Austin Hutchinson or whatever the hell his name is, Aiden Hutchinson. I think he only had six, six tackles. That's all he had. Yeah, and I think so, I think a couple of those were right at the right at the end of of the game when we were on our final mm-hmm. drive. Um, he was a, we really optioned off second of him a lot then. too. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, that was something else. The, and uh, let's see here. You can see where the offense is, and then of course at this point we start off. Uh, we get the interception, uh, and we intercepted McNamara for the first time in his what this season. First time he's got an INT, and then that's right there as a 13-yard TD pass to Falk, which was well-conceived as well. <laughs> he was that, was that was well done. It looked like an option, but he threw it. It just it was pretty – you can see what Frost wants to do, and I really can't wait to see it really begin to take off. Uh, and then the next drive was another eight-play, nice long eight-play drive, 75 yards, starting the fourth quarter with a five-yard run TD by Martinez, which gave us the lead. Uh, 
and then or gave us the lead back after they had scored and then of course the fumble the next time we had the ball going down to try to tie it or or take the lead and whatnot and then we get the ball back the minute and 48 and fourth straight incompletions after a 25-yard pass to Teray, and we turn it over on downs michigan runs it once and then kneels on the ball and that's it 32 to 29 michigan that pretty much wraps up kind of what our offense did which was was good enough especially the way the defense played it was good enough it just one dog on play one time where the referee could have put the whistle in his dang mouth and whistled a play dead when it was clearly dead and it wouldn't have had to happen that way but anyway you've got any other notes that you wanted to talk about about the offense yeah i was just going to say that in the first half while we finished the first half with zero points uh i will give frost credit for kind of testing the waters seeing what exactly it, what he could do that would work and relied heavily on his coaches and guys up in the booth to really help him know what sure. was working what wasn't working what could we make work going into the second half and and one of the things that i think as husker nation we haven't appreciated as much um that ha- that we have seen this season is second half adjustments um, yeah. especially when it comes to our offensive schemes uh clearly we mm-hmm. weren't getting we weren't getting things done like we were supposed to in the first half, but a lot of that was due to our run first game that we were trying to make work, and it just didn't work. Um, I I am kind of disappointed that that Yant didn't have as good of a game as as we would have wanted him to uh, we would have wanted to see from him, and I think part yeah. of the reason for that was that that I think the last time that he no he got one more carry after this, but there was one play where it was a he 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 didn't he didn't do his direction right. Martinez went to hand him the ball and it was supposed to be yes. handed to his right and he went to Martinez's left and ran into yep. Martinez and I think that they sat him out for a bit for that reason and that reason alone. He became a liability at that point. Um so I don't blame them, but I think we'll see bigger things from yet as the season goes on, but clearly we weren't able to get our we weren't able to get our run game going. Uh, in the first half, but we were able to finally figure something out with it in the second half, especially with Ramir Johnson um, and yeah. a lot of misdirection in that triple option. Uh, it was it was more than a sufficient amount of offensive schemes to uh, win the game. I mean, we outscored them in the second half. Um, if we would have yes, been able to, if we would have been able to put together even seven points, six points, if yeah, like you said, if we would have gotten that field goal from our first drive and just and just got the three, it would be a different game. Um, but yeah, it just didn't happen. Yeah, the defense. I tell you what, uh, you know, we caused a false start on that first drive that Michigan had, and we forced them to punt. On all three of their first, uh, all of their first three drives, uh, no scoring in the first quarter for either team. And after the interception, the black shirts only gave up 18 yards and then forced a field goal, which Moody hit. Uh, that guy's got a good leg, pretty accurate. Every one of them looked like they were right down Broadway. So um, the fifth drive featured a delay of game penalty on us, and according to the TV announcers, they said it was because Reimer was clapping, and we talked about that earlier. You know, that they basically said it was a horrible call on TV. They said that just makes absolutely no sense. Uh, he was firing up his team. There, there's just no reason why that penalty needed to be called. Uh, and then 
you know, as we've talked about in the past, Frost has complained about that. Uh, clapping coming from the opposition sideline after a game last season. Can't remember what game it was, uh, but he was not happy with it, and uh, he got lit up on social media over it. So funny how it's good for one side, bad for the other to talk about it. Um, and then Moody, of well, course, hits another field goal. And then the Blackshirts gave up a 76-yard TD drive that should have been a field goal if not for that bullshit. And I mean bullshit. Pass interference call on JoJo Doman. The announcers said it too. How in the heck is it pass interference when it was he was literally throwing the ball away? Nobody could have got to that ball even if, if Doman hadn't impeded the wide receiver. He wasn't going to get there. No. So it was complete BS. Yeah, and I think it was even on that same touchdown drive that there's a picture floating around on Twitter of the play clock on the field being at zero. And, zero. Yeah, and I saw that can, too. And you can see the the ball still in the hands of the center. It wasn't in motion. It wasn't anything. And it should have been a delay of game. And they should yep. have been put back five yards. I mean, I don't know if that would have changed the outcome. Maybe it does only only result in three points for him. But that's that's true. That's it. it well, it could have cha- changed the defensive call too. They could have been a little bit more aggressive on that on that play. Uh, yep. As well, never know. It could have resulted in a sack because we could be more aggressive with our front seven. But uh, anyway, they got the TD. Goes into the half at thirteen zero. Third quarter defense was uh, <laughs> third and fourth quarter. It kind of turned into a back and forth game. I mean, we got a TD and we forced them to punt, and then we fumbled, and then they got a TD and. But they didn't get the two-point conversion. And I thought right at that moment that Nebraska really had the momentum in the game, uh, mostly because the defense was just otherworldly all night. It seemed like they would make a play, and then the defense would, would just clamp down. It was it was amazing to watch. Um, and then after we scored again, Williams intercepted McNamara for his first INT. Uh, Nebraska at that point is up 22-19 going into the fourth quarter. Uh, we get a... Uh, TD and a two-point conversion, and Michigan scores again. We score again. Michigan gets a field goal. All that fun stuff. It just was a. Uh, it, it seemed like they figured out some stuff that they could do on offense against our defense too in the second half. But when it really mattered, the defense stood up and held them to field goals when they needed to. Um, so, final thirty-two twenty-nine. Defense did enough. Offense did enough. One fumble. Heck, the special teams didn't hurt us. One bit. Our special teams nope. were good all night. That's two uh, weeks had in we a row. Were able to gotten, yeah, and had we were been awarded possession on that muff punt by Michigan, who knows how this game turns out. Uh, but, yes, Pristop was great. Four punts, 190 yards, as you said, 47.5 average. Colt made his extra points. I just wish he'd got a chance to make that field goal to start the game in my mind. That may have uh, made a little bit of difference, but boy, that two-point conversion was was uh, yeah. The crowd was electric. Yeah, that was the crowd was losing it, and so was I. It was it was a lot of fun. So well, yeah. I mean, uh, if that you, pretty much. I was go just ahead. gonna. I was just gonna say one of the fascinating things to look at is that going into the second half, there were six back and forth possessions between Michigan and Nebraska that that resulted in a score. Was that yeah. Touchdown for Michigan, touchdown Nebraska, interception Michigan that led to a Nebraska touchdown, touchdown Michigan, touchdown Nebraska, field goal Michigan, and then we fumble 
and then we fumble, and then they get their field goal, and they they win the game off of that go ahead field yep. goal. So it was a crazy second half. the The crowd was going wild. Um, yeah, just some unfortunate things well, that that led to our demise. I did uh, want to say one thing. If you are still listening, thank you so much for listening through this podcast. I know it hasn't been necessarily the most enjoyable experience being a Husker fan through this season, and especially considering that we have a pretty steady following uh, at this point, considering our download Mm -hmm. totals per episode. That means that most of you guys are coming back um, with a few onesies and twosies in there that are new listeners, presumably. And if you're listening this far, we thank you. Um, And I wanted to uh, just kind of give my overall thoughts about the game. Like, just finish it off, cap it off with what I think Husker Nation is probably thinking right now before we finish up this this episode. Um, As you know, Husker Nation, this loss was yet another moral victory, but one that comes with a more refined taste of things that are yet to come. Um, we have lost games against three ranked teams by a combined total of 13 points. You don't, you don't just do that and not have a formidable team behind those results. The gap at which we are making mental mistakes, acquiring, acquiring penalties and getting out physical is shrinking. And I think that we are on the cusp of big things that are to come in the frost era. Our offense still needs some work. But what I see on the field now, I haven't seen in years. Like I've watched Husker football since uh, since the Bill Callahan era, and I have not seen a team as physical as I've seen thus far in the Frost era. Um, our defense still needs some work, um, but they are truly the shining gem of our team and are doing great things. Our special teams, for a second week in a row, prevented huge mistakes and played well enough to keep us in those games. We are looking more and more complete each and every game. Um, I know that I'm beating a dead horse when I say this about Frost, but seriously, listen to me when I say this. Let's look at this from an objective point of view, okay? According to collegefootballdata.com's ELO rating, ELO rating is a rating system in order to compile an efficiency rating of of anybody's uh, sports, like proficiency and all that fun stuff. The ELO rating of the Nebraska Cornhuskers when Frost was hired, he inherited a Mike Riley team that was bad. How bad, might you ask? Because we've been saying this for years. Oh, he inherited a bad team. He has a really bad team. Um, Well, you can go on our Facebook page and you can see the post I made with the graph that truly shows the scale of how bad our team was. But I'll tell you here that Frost inherited a team as bad as we were in the Bill Jennings era. Bill Jennings... Who's Bill Jennings? He was our coach from 1957 until 1961 before being succeeded by Bob Devaney. He had an overall record of being 15 and 34 with one draw. That means it was the worst team we have had in 60 years, the Scott Frost team. He inherited a team that that's the worst team that we've seen in 60 years. Like by just objective fact, terrible team over half a century. And over half a century. That being said, he now has an ELO rating equivalent of what the team was right before Pelini was fired. Now, I know that mentioning Pelini can get a get Husker Nation a little fired up, and let's be honest, we would kill for an eight win season at this point. 
If you look at if no you look kidding. at yeah, dude. If you look at the Elo chart, the bell curve of Frost's improvement is better than Pelini ever saw, and an Elo rating uh, bell curve that is equivalent of what we saw a lot of years with uh, with uh, with uh, Tom Osborne. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. If you uh, if you compare our teams from 2018 to 2021. It's like this is truly the first year Frost has had a good team to win any game we play. This year, from 2018 to 21, the bell curve is huge. It's just a straight vertical line. It's actually incredible to see it. Um, We just need to be patient for a little bit longer, and our patience will pay dividends. The most important thing our football team needs to do in the next five games, we have five games left, we need to find a way, and I mean any way, to win three of them. We have to. Um, we need to go to a bowl game. Because if we do, yep. rip. Rest in peace to the team we play. Uh, we are the scariest four-loss team no one wants to play. And I yep. and I'm yeah, I I don't I wouldn't want to play us. And well, that's kind of a dumb statement, but um, <laughs> yes, uh, I think we will kick the ass of any bowl team that we play, and that will carry momentum into 2022. We will finally find ourselves on the other side of these coin flip games that we are so prone to losing if we find ourselves in a bowl game this year. I seriously believe that. We've just got to go to a bowl game, six and six, kick the shit out of some team that we play, but whatever, if it's Kansas State or something like that. Um, I know that isn't necessarily a breakdown of the Michigan game, but I do feel like it's more important. It it is the more important meta narrative that Husker Nation is desperately trying to make sense of, because I think everybody's trying to make sense of what in the world is our identity as a team. And I really don't know shit about shit, but I think I'm hitting the mark with assuming that we will do better, considering what I've seen this year. Um, I'm proud of our team. And I can't wait to see what the future holds, no matter how painful it's been. Hang in there, Husker Nation. We're we're on the cusp of big things, and I believe that. That was outstanding. I agree. I think we're close. Uh, so close. I'm tired of hearing the word close. But um, at the same time, we didn't lose it on a stupid move by special teams. And quite frankly, I will go to my grave saying that Martinez was down when they stripped that ball out of him, out of his hands. And uh, he said it in his post game that uh, he thought the play was over, but he said, I'm not going to make an excuse. I should have kept vigilant when it came to holding on to the football. And he did. Yeah. And that's how it goes. So. We got a couple of players of the game that, well, one of us shares the same one. Uh, you liked Ramir Johnson on offense. I sure like Ramir Johnson on offense. An, an argument, a case could certainly be made for Adrian Martinez as he combined for over 300 yards of offense on his own, but uh, as well. Uh, but yeah, definitely Ramir, 16 carries, 67 yards, and five receptions, 105 yards, and a TD. Um, man, I can't wait to see what he does. Is he? He's only going to get better. He's gotten better every single game he's started, and he's only going to continue to get better. I'm really looking forward to watching him play the rest of the year. Yeah, man. Like we said in previous episodes and then in the preseason, uh, players to look out for, 
we were we were wondering we were wondering about Ramir Johnson. What is he going to provide for our team? Are we going to see him? Is he going to be on our starting roster? And he was, and he is proving his worth to our team now. That's that's one yeah. of those things that you just you just can't you can't ignore the fact that if you have patience as a player and you have confidence in your ability to be a playmaker, that time. And patience will pay off in the long run because he sat he sat yes, on the sir. bench he warmed the bench for three years and yep. now he's our guy um, he might not be the biggest he might not be the most elusive he I I don't think he's like the greatest running back that we've seen in a very long time but he's doing what he needs to do yeah. he is being productive when it counts and he's and I think he's finding his strive as the games have too. progressed. He's he's getting in his rhythm, that rhythm that we yep. didn't see last year with any running backs, even though uh Well, the coaches are letting him get a rhythm too. They're not just pulling him after a series or two and trying somebody else. They're letting him get a rhythm. I don't think you saw Yant until the second half, did we? Uh we saw him in the first half. Did you? Okay. Yeah. I, I couldn't think remember. So. I can't. I, but, uh, I I don't. Yeah, don't quote me on it. But I think I saw him in the first half. I also remember talking about Ramirez in the in the context in our episode one. Uh, we did talk about Ramirez. Is he one of the possible running backs that might transfer out? Because so we yeah. thought, you know, you had Step, you had Irvin, you had all that going on. That everybody was pretty sure we're going to be the top two guys, and here he is, top of the depth chart. God bless the kid. I love him. I think he's great. Uh, for defense, I had Nick Hendrick just because he led the team in tackles and he was kind of all over the field, including three tackles for loss. You had Cam Taylor-Britt, and I can say I almost selected him as well just because, good night, that guy was all over the field. Uh, blew up three pass plays, three solo tackles, 11 tackles total. So, uh, yeah, wow, what, three guys had du- double-digit tackles. The reason why I picked Cam Taylor Britt is simply for the fact that those three pass deflections he made and the tackles that he made were game savers yeah. for real. Like yes, they were. One of the things that was incredible to see was that one of the wideouts that I was most concerned about that we needed to lock down uh, from Michigan side of the ball was Cornelius Johnson. He had four receptions for 37 yards, but altogether the two guys that were ahead of him right. yardage wise was uh baldwin and uh, i can't remember I, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name sains ristol something like that um yeah <laughs> i mean and cam taylor Britt was the guy who had him locked down um they targeted him a lot but he had a bend don't break mentality i i think he was putting himself at no no i'm not going to say that i was about to say he put himself in a position to maybe get an interception but that's just not what you do as a cornerback you just play it you just do your job and he did his job um fair like well enough more than well enough and yep. uh yeah the reason why i like yes oh. we had Total tackles for Reimer and, and like 12 total tackles for Reimer and 15 total tackles for Henrik. And those were good things. Um, yep. And they created a lot of pressure on uh, McNamara. But yes, they I, did. I guess I just picked Taylor Britt because he prevented a lot of big explosive plays from happening. Yes, he did. He was he was awesome last night. No doubt about it. Uh, so, yeah, that was a great defensive performance. Too bad. It was all for naught <laughs> in a lot of ways. Hey, plus minus. 
I actually tied you this week now. We're tied at 5-5 five to five because I took the number on two rushing TDs by Martinez. You took the plus, and there were only one, so neither one of us got a point for that. But I did take the minus on two sacks on McNamara, and we got one. So uh, tied to 5-5. Five to five. So that's the deal on plus minus. And we had three people play with us this week on the facebook.com slash genredpod and all of three three of them scored a gigantic goose egg <laughs> so nobody that's playing the game with us so far has any points so apparently nobody wants to be on a live stream with them and quite frankly with all the internet issues we have just trying to do this show audio wise i'm not sure if live streaming is going to be all that much fun anyway but we're going to try to make it work so, yeah, that's that's the result of plus minus. We should really wrap this up. Uh, yep. get the get the reviews. I've got one from Podcast Addict, uh, my preferred app, and it's from a person. I have no idea what, but uh, they go by the moniker of Mythotics. Gave us a four star rating. And noted that he posted this at the time that episode one had just been released. And it says, I am not a big football fan, but I believe Red as a Husker through and through. It is interesting to hear Ken and Scott talk about their thoughts for the Huskers. And I feel like it was easy to follow, even though I don't know much myself. I am excited to see where this podcast goes. So thank you, Methodics, for the four-star rating and for that positive review. We hope you're still listening. We really appreciate it, and uh, you got one, I assume, from uh, from Apple? Yes, yes, I do. And I was debating whether or not I wanted to read their handle, but I realized that it's for anybody and everybody to see if you just go to Apple Pod, so I, I don't <laughs> think I'm really breaking any sort of uh, anonymity no. here. But uh, this comes from Tessa-Savannah. She gives us a, or I assume she gives us a, uh, five-star rating and states, love the pod. Great concept of father and son. They offer realistic takes. Very knowledgeable. You know, very short, sweet, and to the point. We appreciate it, Tessa. Thank you very um, much, Tessa. We definitely appreciate that. Well, we will be back with you again on Thursday uh, with a preview of the Minnesota Golden Gophers, or as I like to call them, the Fighting Flectones. And uh, <laughs> that'll be a fun one because I have a feeling that's going to be another struggle, especially in Minneapolis. They seem to play us tough up there. Uh, so we'll preview that game, give you our thoughts on where that game could go. And uh, But between now and then, if you want to contact us, you can find us at genredpod.com. No slash. See, I'm already thinking ahead to the socials. Uh, but yeah, you can go there. You can subscribe to our show via the links provided or listen to it right there in your browser. Uh, our social media is facebook.com slash genredpod or at genredpod on Twitter. YouTube, Generation Red Live is the name of our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe, ring the bell so you get any notifications once we actually post a video. And then uh, email any other questions or concerns or if you want to Play the plus-minus game. No, that's on Facebook.com slash GenRedPod. Email is if you want to join us on a live stream during the off-season. Send us your name, and we'll put you on the list. Anyway, we really appreciate you all listening. My name is Ken. He's Scott. Together, we're the Generation Red Podcast. And until next time, remember, yeah, they won. 
but Iowa's corn still sucks, and there's no place like Nebraska. Go Big Red! Go Big Red! Yes, indeed. Stay patient, kids. Stay patient. It's going to turn. It's going to turn. This podcast is not associated in any official capacity with the University of Nebraska or the Cornhusker football team. All opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts alone and are intended for entertainment purposes only. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Stay sweet and salty, and go Big Red.